December and having guest preachers with us in December, preaching on the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The last couple of Sundays, looking at some basics to just kind of restart the new year. We looked at prayer, we looked at faith, we looked at the gospel, and this week we're back to John chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 13 this morning, which reflects a good deal of what God had to say to the people of Israel there in Isaiah chapter 40. It's about God being the Lord of everything, but the history of men is that they don't comprehend him. They don't understand. His ways are not their ways as he is holy, 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 and they are sinful, sinful, sinful. And so we find ourselves in a predicament, don't we, that we don't always understand God. Even in our regenerate state as believers, people who've been born of of God and bought with the blood, sometimes it's tough, isn't it? Because God's ways are above our ways. Paul reckons this in the book of Romans. Well, let's read these verses and let's consider two simple points this morning. God's word again. Follow along as I read aloud. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews... Feast of Booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then He also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people, while some said, He's a good man. Others said, No, he's leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever and forever. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings on the reading and now on the preaching. Father, thank you for this beautiful day, for this lovely place of hearts gathered together who love you. And indeed, if there's any who are not here this morning, believing Christ, but rather they're here in unbelief, we pray that you would cause this to be a sermon that they would remember, words from you that they could never forget, that faith would come, 
and they would not be like those who murmur about Jesus and have all sorts of opinions, but they'd be like those who love you and trust you and believe. We ask all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. We don't have as many children here this morning as we usually do, but we still have quite a few. And I want to tell you something, children, so I want you to listen closely. There are going to be many, many things in your life that you will not understand. Now, if we were a Baptist church, every adult in here would have said amen right then. It's true, isn't it? There are just going to be things that you will not understand. I'll up that one. There will be some things you cannot understand. Just some things that you're not, not going to be able to. And that's especially true when it comes to God and his ways. Is that not what Isaiah, the point Isaiah was making to the people? Did you notice that? Who of you did any of this stuff? Who of you can understand how I made everything? And again, Paul, his ways, his thoughts, they're superior to ours. That's the reason that we praise him and nothing else and no one else. That's the reason that we pray to him and not to anyone else. Our Savior controls all events in history. And men are unable to comprehend him. Even when we do have some comprehension, it's not full comprehension. He reveals himself to us. The Bible is his revelation. He tells us all about himself. He tells us that he made everything in six days and it was very good. He tells us that we're sinners. He tells us that there's a, a, a Savior in his Son, Jesus Christ. He tells us that that salvation comes through faith alone in Christ alone. And that's a product of the Holy Spirit's working in our hearts and changing us. It's a supernatural event. He tells us that his Son, Jesus Christ, who ascended on high, who is preparing even now for us the new heavens and new earth, and when he returns, he will establish it all. And when he comes, there'll be no pointing the finger at his people. But he will receive them warmly into his presence. But the other side of that is when he returns, he will cast many into eternal perdition, saying, depart from me, for I never knew you. He tells us all that. And still we don't comprehend it fully. If we were all honest, children, I'm going to tell you, if every adult in here who's a believer in Jesus Christ were honest, 
There are those days when they think about certain aspects of the Christian life or of, 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 of reality. And they're just not quite sure how to think about it. This passage that we're reading, if, you, if you've been with, with me through all of this, you know that most recently, chapter 6, that precedes chapter 7. That's, the, that's you know, 6 comes right before 7. And uh, in there, we saw that Jesus walked on water. We saw that Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus the women and the children who would have been there with just a, you know, the, the fishes and the loaves. This is one of two times that he does that. The other time is 4,000 total people. This time, 5,000 plus. And then he had to rebuke the people who are following him, these masses of people following him around the, the hillsides. He says, you're not following me for what I give you. You're following me for well, in essence, he says, you're not following me for who I am. You're following me for what you can get out of me. That would be a rebuke to the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers of today if they had ears to hear. And then he moves on from that in chapter 6 and says that unless you eat my Flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. And they didn't understand that. They took it hyper literalistically and they were thinking, flesh, blood? This is one of those hard sayings. And we're told one of those sad things. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. The essence of that is they, they didn't want to follow anymore. They didn't. And none, those people didn't come back around. They were done. They went out from him because they were not of him. And he said, you know... I'm just saying, you have to believe, you have to trust me for all that I am. Everything that I am and everything that I do, you have to believe that. There's no way around it. And they didn't get it. Peter pipes up and says, Lord, we do. And this is how Jesus responded to Peter, if you've forgotten. Didn't I choose you, the twelve, and one of you is the devil? And that's where you left them. That was the last thing we saw at the end of November. And now we go to chapter 7. It's after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. It's after that. After he's had that conversation with this mass of disciples and many of them went away. And now he turns to the twelve and says, are you two going to go away? And Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of life. That was a good profession of faith. That was genuine. 
And yet Jesus doesn't pat him on the shoulder. He just calls him to examine his own heart. Is that really what you believe, Peter? Do you really believe that, Peter? Or are you just saying that because it sounds pious? Well, that's chilling, isn't it? Is that really what you believe, Peter? By the way, Peter, one of you is the devil. And he didn't tell him which one. Could have been Peter. At that point, we're going to learn at the end of chapter 13 from Jesus' own lips that Peter's going to deny him three times. Now, in that instance, as we'll see many months later, Jesus turns right around and says, but I'm going away. And if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There he brings comfort. Peter, you're going to deny me, but I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you through it all. But here, he's just left them hanging. And now John shifts gears. He's going to move us now from Galilee back to Jerusalem. And that's where Jesus is going to be for the rest of his ministry. That's where the rest of John takes place, is in that immediate region. Just two simple points to this sermon. You see them printed there in the outline. But I want you to understand first, uh, what's the context here? Uh, The Jews' feast of booths was at hand. We already knew, verse 1, that that he wouldn't go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. We already knew that. You can go back to chapter 5, verse 18, and we've already been told that. We're just being reminded again because there's been a little little interlude here. So we're being reminded that they're, they're already out for him. They're already planning and scheming. And now the Jewish Feast of Booths, the other name for that is Tabernacles, is at hand. That's the occasion for his brothers to say, hey, let's go. We're good Jews. We need to be. This is one of the three annual treks and the three big feasts. We need to be on our way. Feast of Booths took place in their month of Tishri. It ran from the 15th following for seven days. And then on the eighth day, they capped it off with a day of holy convocation, a day of worship. People would travel into the... Jerusalem area and they would they would pitch their tents and they lived that way for those seven days it was a reminder that they are not of this world that they're God's people and they're they're pilgrims in this world and it was to celebrate the end of the harvest the beginning of the harvest was way back in the spring Tishri corresponds somewhat to our late September, early October. 
on the calendar. They have a lunar calendar. They had the harvest of the, of the grains, and then came finally the harvest of the grapes and the olives, and they were now celebrating all of it, the whole harvest season from spring to fall. This was a big deal. They were supposed to be celebrating God's provisions. And so the brothers say, let's go. This event happens also about six months after chapter 6. Remember what we said the very first Sunday in the introduction. John's not chronological. He's putting together a theological picture here for us of Jesus. He's not following a flow of the calendar. And so we don't have like Mark. Remember when we worked through Mark, Mark's got all those now immediately. Immediately, immediately. He's got us on track. Here's day six, immediately day seven. Day one, day two. John doesn't care about that. He's putting together a theological picture of our great God and Lord Jesus Christ. So this is about six months after the walking on the water, the feeding of the, of the thousands. Much of the scholarship thinks this would also put it about six months before his, his walking into Jerusalem and the children shouting Hosanna and he enters upon his death. So John's going to compress a whole bunch of stuff now and paint some marvelous pictures for us to know who, who our Savior is and what he's doing for us. And the first thing he wants to tell us in this picture is that the, the Lord's ways aren't our ways. The Lord's ways are not our way. Or, as I have it in the outline, the Lord's purpose is not that of the world. What, what I mean, this is something you hear from, from your youngest days in Sunday school, isn't it, children? That Jesus came to save his people, and the people that he came to didn't comprehend it because they were mistaken about what he was going to do. They thought he was going to be a king like worldly kings. So he was going to have armies and he was going to have swords and he was going to have chariots and he was going to have horses and he was going to go about his business conquering kingdoms. And that's not how Jesus came. He came to conquer Satan and the world and the flesh. Those were the kingdoms he came to conquer. He came to conquer, subdue, as our, our catechism says, he came to subdue our hearts. And they didn't understand that. They were misreading. And so his brother said, let's leave. Let's go to Judea. 
And then they, they, they came up with a really good idea. You know what? The people down there, they need to see your miracles. All these things you've been doing up here, they need to see it down there too. Now we don't have, John doesn't tell us about their motives here. Just they didn't get it. That's John's point. They just didn't get it. Jesus wasn't trying to show off. He wasn't trying to impress people. He came to seek and to save. He came to serve. He came to, to have compassion. And John tells us why they didn't get it. You say, well, how could they miss it? I mean, these, these, these fellows, and by the way, I know there are some people who take brothers here and say that, that, that ha, that's his disciples. John never, ever one time uses the word brothers for his disciples. This would be completely out of, con, out of, out of, out of context, out of John's way of thinking. He talks about his disciples. He talks about the larger group disciples. He talks about the 12 disciples. He talks about people who believe. He talks about people who don't believe. He doesn't talk about brothers in a spiritual sense like we do. Then others say, well, gee, this must mean that he had other physical brothers. Well, he did. Joseph and Mary had children. And we know this from Mark. Don't let your church's bad theology influence you here. We know this from Mark. When his mothers and his brothers came to him. In chapter 3. But we learn something sad about these brothers here. Not even his brothers believed in him. You know what the first step is in comprehending, understanding who God is and what he's doing? Is to believe. Augustine was not the first one to come up with that idea. That you must believe in order to understand. Anselm was not the first to come up with that. And he didn't just mimic Augustine. And we could go right on up the list, bring us right up to the current date. If you hear somebody say that, you have to believe in order to understand this is it. This is the source right here. Jesus says they didn't, they didn't believe. John says they didn't believe. That's why they didn't understand. So if you want to start understanding a little bit better, it's going to begin with faith. So when you run into something in the Bible and you say, you know, I just don't quite understand this, ask God for faith. I want to understand this better. Ask God for faith. You say, well, what if it's something outside the realm of the Bible? As, well, you, as Christians, that should be your first move. Lord, I'm confused. I'm not sorting this out. This formula doesn't make sense. 
Ask the Lord for faith that you might understand. Everything. Remember what Paul says in Romans 14? Whatever is not of faith is sin. That's a remarkable thought, isn't it? You mean if I don't do my work as unto the Lord, it's sin? It is. They didn't believe, so they couldn't understand. Jesus says, look, I'll summarize the rest of that paragraph. He says, look, you can go anytime. In fact, you should go. My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. It's always a good time for you to go. Go. But I'm the Lord of the feast. I'll go at my own prerogative. Now we learn next week in verse 14 that sometime in the middle of the feast he went. He may have been there a little, a day or two earlier because in this passage we're looking at now, he seems to be kind of hanging out around the edges, just listening. But he's not public. So he didn't lie to them and said, I'm not going up. He just meant, I'm not going with you. I'm not going right now. I'll go in my own time. We forget sometimes, don't we? God's clock and our clock are not the same. God's, God, God determines things in his own time. Jesus, we're told in Galatians, in the fullness of time he came. He does things in his time at the right time. It'll always be the right time. And so after saying this to them, he remained in Galilee. They didn't understand. His purpose was not to go and do miracles. The purpose of the miracles was not the miracle. The purpose of the miracle was to display his divinity that they might believe that he is God and that he can save them from their sins. That brings us to the second point, and we'll be, we'll be quick on this. The Lord's purpose is not that of the world. The Lord's purpose, or rather the world, has unsanctified opinions concerning our Lord. We see them expressed there. If you, if you just look with me in verse 10, after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up. And that then there is not a statement of immediately he went up. It's just then after they had gone, sometime following that, he went up. Not publicly, but in private. The Jews, John wants us to know what the Jews are thinking first. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? There was a lot of muttering about him among the people. Some of them said, he, he's a good man. What's all the trouble here? What's the problem? Others said, no, he's not. He's leading the people astray. He's causing division. He's causing strife. We don't need a, need a man like that. But did you notice verse 13? Yet. For fear of the Jews, 
No one spoke openly of him. So all this is going on. It's just like a little whispering, little, little groups here and there whispering about Jesus. Did you hear about what he did up at Galilee? Shh, shh. The, the scribes were coming, so they had to get quiet. And then somebody else say, yeah, I don't believe it. Don't you remember back in the day of Pharaoh, Moses would do stuff and then the magicians would mim mimic it. I think that's what he's doing. He's a magician. He's a shyster. And they're just, scribes are coming. They were scared to death of the Jewish leadership. Because they wanted to kill Jesus. So if you were, well, I like him. Whatever. This was a problem. Now next week, John's going to pick up. And he's going to say that the answer to unsanctified opinions, people just guessing and talking, the answer is Jesus speaking. So next week, that's what we'll see is Jesus standing up in the midst of this event and he begins to preach. Now, you need to know that that would not have made the Jews, the Jewish leadership, happy. Because he wasn't a rabbi. Oh, well, he was the great rabbi. But he hadn't been to school. But we'll look at all that next week. Here's the question, though, for us. You know, in all of our whispering around and talking about Jesus with other people, knowing that he is there, here he, he, he didn't go up publicly, but he went privately. Well, he's not always public with us either, is he? I mean, you can't see Jesus. You can't touch Jesus. But he said in John chapter 14, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to send another one. The Holy Spirit, the comforter. And wherever you are, he will be with you so that in essence, I'll be with you too. Because God is one. So what kind of muttering does Jesus hear in our homes and in our workspace and in our leisure moments? Uh, we, we do, do we have, what kind of opinions do we have of Jesus? Well, we know our Mormon friends say, oh, he, he, he's, he's God, but it's a little G, not big G. And our Muslim friends, he's a great prophet, but he's not the prophet, priest, and king. Because he's not very God of very God for them. And then you have those friends 
Well, he's a good example. You know, if, if we would just do what he taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, well, how's that working out? How you doing? Yeah, if, just if, you could do all that stuff. But you can't. That's why he had to come. That's why he had to suffer and die. That's why he was raised again. That's why he ascended on high. And that's why he is even now interceding for us continually. That we might be saved completely. What would he hear in our conversations? Would we sound more like the world than like saints? That's convicting, isn't it? Well, next week, next week, we want to hear from Jesus. In the meantime, let's trust him. Let's put our faith solidly in him alone and let our conversation be seasoned with that. Father, thank you so much. And I ask now that you bless the afternoon, and as we return tonight to hear from Hosea about the wonderful love of our great God, that you'd give us a zeal for you, Lord, for your church, for the truth, and for loved ones who need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.